For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt and find more birds this spring. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some access deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I venison.com and use promo code cal for 20 percent off your first order outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems things like hard starts rough performance and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup sea foam can help your engine run better and last longer simply pour a can in your gas tank hunters and anglers rely on sea foam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. That's SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. From Meat Eaters World News Headquarters in Bozeman, Montana, this is Cal's Week in Review with Ryan Cal Callahan. Now, here's Cal. Perry David Byes was arrested and charged with possession of stolen property in the first degree, according to the Idaho Statesman. For those of you who are unaware, possession of stolen property in the first degree is a Class B felony, which is fitting because what Perry David Byes was in possession of was roughly $200,000 in bees and beehives. A sting operation led up to his arrest. Bees are incredibly important to, well, life on Earth. They pollinate all things growing, including our non-meat foods and including the food our meat food eats. Bees are also big business. According to the 2019 Honey Report, a queen bee would set you back about $18. A package of new bees, about 125 to 150 in a 30-frame hive, around 170 bucks. The average market price for honey in 2019 was $1.97 per pound. The average hive produced 55.8 pounds of honey, meaning the average hive produced almost $110 gross. Now, that may sound like a losing proposition, but I'm told the uh, honey business really sticks to you. Here's where the golden opportunity lies. The U.S. consumed 609 million pounds of honey in 2019, while only producing 157 million pounds domestically, meaning we imported 452 million pounds of honey in 2019, which when you think about the fact that the honey-producing bee we reap the rewards from isn't actually native to the U.S., That's right, the honeybee didn't make it to North America until 1622. But, you know, they do a really good job, so we'll ignore that little tidbit. 
Honeybees are in constant threat from pesticides and herbicides. Pathogens are routinely found in both honey and beeswax. Occasionally, hives will completely collapse, as they did in 2006 and 7, with what is now called CCD, Colony Collapse Disorder, something that we still don't fully understand, but the USDA points out that there is likely a connection between the presence of pathogens and the combination of natural bee viruses brought on by mites, you know, tiny ones. On top of this threat, we have the much populized threat of maybe a handful of honeybee-eating Japanese hornets, a.k.a. murder hornets in the U.S. Despite all of this, over 100 crops in the U.S. are commercially pollinated by bees. It may also interest you to know that one tablespoon of honey provides 190 kilojoules of food energy. If you've been paying attention to President Trump, He's very interested in American energy dominance, so, you know, follow the buzz and get into the honey business. One more fun fact for you. The phrase, mind your own beeswax, that you hear from time to time, that got started by people who thought it more fun to say than, you know, mind your own business. There are many theories out there about mind your own beeswax, some of them having to do with uh, ladies rubbing wax on their pockmarked skin or people uh, trying to build candles next to fire. But there is no reason to believe those stories at all. And the most likely version is people just thought it was something fun to say. This week, we've got a helicopter story. But first, I'm going to tell you about my week. I have no idea what my friend Steven Ranella tells his kids about me, but occasionally they get very excited about dropping off uh, recently procured food items at my house, which likely means their old man, their old, old father, Steve, is telling the kids I'm not good at finding food on my own. Uh, Most recently, I was the recipient of a few pounds of crayfish, not the rare blue crayfish of Illinois, Which, by the way, I got an email from a listener confessing the fact that he, when he was growing up, was unaware of how rare the blue crayfish was and uh, had consequently eaten quite a few of them. Not that I have any rights or powers to do so, but I suggested that uh, his conservation sins, if you will, would be fully absolved with a little uh, paying it forward conservation work. You know, the things we do when we are young and do not know. Anyway, regular old brown-ish crayfish from Montana and a handful of morel mushrooms. I made a very nice shallot morel sauce, put that over some raviolis, and topped it all with uh, crayfish tails. So keep it up, Ranella kids. I am also preparing to brave the COVID world we live in, get back on a plane and procure for my own some fish in the uh, state of Florida. I'm on the hunt for triple tail which is a big perch. The odd thing about triple tail is, well, one, I guess they're not very good looking, and uh, I'm speaking in general terms here. The species, through its natural behavior, has an almost self-imposed slot limit. The triple tail is most susceptible to fishing when they come up to feed on the surface. They have a tendency to float next to any sort of debris and they'll actually roll over and lay on their sides, resembling like a patch of moss or uh, organic matter floating on the surface. In this way, 
they can ambush smaller fish that also come up to lay in the shadow of whatever is floating. Here's the interesting thing. It seems that, by and large, it is not the very, very young triple tail or the old triple tail that do this. Only triple tail of just beyond juvenile stage have this behavior. So, if it is primarily these fish in this age class being targeted, the triple tail has a species-imposed slot limit. Some states are starting to regulate their triple tail catch, but not a lot is known about the fishery, so I'm very excited to go check it out. On top of that, everybody says they taste amazing. In fact, I know some folks who, uh, when they go out to target triple tail, they bring a fly rod, a spinning rod, and a spear gun. The fly rods for fun, the spinning rods to, you know, make sure it happens, and the spear gun is to really make sure it happens. One way or another, that fish is coming in the boat, which, you know, sounds like fun to me. Quick catch up from last week. Lots of folks wrote in, some from their tractor seats, to let me know how they deal with fawns and their hay early in the season. Uh, Remember we talked about uh, when you mow your hay, uh, occasionally you mow some fawns that have uh, been deposited in the hay. Uh, One person wrote in all the way from Norway saying his uncle will get hired out to fly his drone over certain fields to flush fawns away prior to cutting. Everyone else said basically the same thing. We just try to go slow, pay attention, and be careful. Hey, just a heads up, I'm going to spend a lot of time talking about the wilderness where mechanized tools are not legal. Instead of using a clean, quiet, electric steel chainsaw, for instance, you got to use an old-timey handsaw. But good news for you folks, steel makes some high-quality, hardened, cut-through-a-downed-log-faster-than-you-can-spit handsaws as well. So check those out the next time you need to strap something to the outside of a mule you know, just in case. For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt and find more birds this spring. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam motor treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, Seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who has used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. I guarantee you've listened to them because I use it you know, regularly. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. 
O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. Moving on to the seldom-visited Backcountry Aviation Desk. I've been teasing this one for a bit, and there's more than I can actually tell you on this episode. So go to TheMeatEater.com for the whole version. But just so you know, we're going to be sticking with this one for a good chunk of time. So buckle up. All right. Title 36 of the Code of Federal Regulation, 261.18, states, The following are prohibited in national forest wilderness. Possessing or using a motor vehicle, motorboat, or motorized equipment except as authorized by federal law or regulation. Possessing or using a hang glider or bicycle. Landing of aircraft or dropping or picking up of any material, supplies, or person by means of aircraft, including a helicopter. A violation of Title 36 CFR 261.18 is punishable by a fine not to exceed $500, six months imprisonment, or both. On May 16th, Sam and Sarah Schwerin of Bozeman, Montana, flew their family in their Bell 206 helicopter into the Bob Marshall Wilderness, setting down illegally about a mile upstream of Black Bear Creek on the South Fork of the Flathead. The confluence of Black Bear Creek and the South Fork of the Flathead is only about nine miles as the crow, or in this case helicopter, flies from the nearest legal airstrip, which is Meadow Creek. That's on national forest land outside of the wilderness. Sam self-reported their landing to the FAA on May 18th. A pair of uh, horn and black bear hunters, John Morris and Randy Bachman, reported the illegal motorized use to the Forest Service on May 19th. Sam Schwerin was fined $500 for violating Title 36 CFR 261.18 on June 12th. As previously mentioned on this podcast, the story broke in the Hungry Horse News, one of two Pulitzer Prize winning papers in the state of Montana. That flood of 64 was big news, I'll tell you. Anyway, after the story broke in HHN, the Schwerins have been criticized heavily on social media and anywhere else their names appeared publicly. Sarah sits on several boards in and around the Gallatin Valley, which do very good things, specifically for youth of the state. Several of these institutions have received phone calls asking or demanding that she step down from the boards on which she serves. A petition with over 13,610 signatures on Change.com, titled 
accountability for Sarah and Sam Schwerin, violating federal law in Bob Marshall Wilderness popped up, asking for accountability and suggesting forfeiture of pilot's licenses, fishing licenses, and a fine of $1 million. Not sure how the designer of the petition came up with that number. I I don't know. Social media is not the place for justice, but public scrutiny can have the desired effect. Several years ago, Jason Chaffetz introduced a bill to sell off over 2 million acres of public land. It was most assuredly the hellfire of social media that made that Utah representative withdraw his bill and consequently post on social media one of the most awkward, staged, pro-hunting-slash-outdoors pictures I have ever seen. Uh, Shortly after, Jason found his appropriate place at Fox News, not in the woods. The frustration expressed in the comment sections of blogs, newspapers, and Facebook pages tend to focus on what was the intent. Did this couple who flew their helicopter know what they were doing? Did they intentionally land in the bob? Whether they did or not, that day, just upstream of Black Bear Creek at their landing site, while their kids fished, Sam and Sarah were approached by two men, John Morris and Randy Brockman. John and Randy were on the return leg of a two-week-long spring black bear shed hunting trip. Themselves and their pack string had been uh, flown over three times by the helicopter. So anyway, when they were approaching the ford there at Black Bear, saw the helicopter on the gravel bar, John and Randy decided to have a conversation with the Schwerens alongside their helicopter and its tail numbers. Sam invited them to take pictures of the tail numbers and stated that they were within the high water mark, which is public domain. Additionally, in the Bozeman Chronicle, in which the Schwerens issued a position statement, they stated that they had no idea that they were in the wilderness. John, who, as described by Randy, is uh, someone who will pull over a speeding cop if he doesn't have his lights on and citizens arrest their ass, became heated. John told me, I must have said the F word 10 times in two minutes. Really got under my skin. The now heated back and forth was eventually broken up by Sam, who suggested that John and Randy had better move back as he was going to load up his family and leave. John and Randy recorded the helicopter as it left the area on their cell phones, then continued on up the trail where they reportedly ran into a day hiker from Whitefish area who had also seen the helicopter. John described this guy as uh, one of those snowboard fitness types. He kind of made the uh, point of making sure that I knew that the uh, snowboard uh, fitness type and uh, John and Randy were on uh, different sides of the recreational spectrum, but also at the same time made sure that I knew that they were on the right side of the law in that part of the bob. And uh, he respected the guy for hiking in there. I guess all that was a long way of telling you that uh, if these folks didn't know that they were in the bob, they definitely did know they were in the bob after talking with John and Randy. The other point that keeps coming up is how could you possibly not know where the heck you are in a helicopter? The helicopter in question is a Bell 206, which went into civilian production in the 1970s, many of which have and do operate uh, near this area of the Bob. I reached out to Minuteman Aviation out of Missoula as they were running some helicopters in this area way back when, when I was guiding up there. I spoke with Forrest Gu. Minuteman Aviation's Director of Operations. Forrest was one of the very first operators of the Bell 206. He flew the military version, the OH-58 Kiowa in Vietnam, 
He told me in training, they had miniguns mounted on both sides of his aircraft, and you could go through 3,000 rounds of ammunition pretty darn quick. That's just a fun aside for you. Forrest went on to say, as a civilian instructor, as well as a pilot, he handled several of the 206's predecessors. Minuteman Aviation there in Missoula still owns two of, uh, I guess, what you'd call the L-series, which is um, a stretched version that accommodates a couple of extra passengers. Forrest has even flown in the Bob Marshall and in Glacier National Park on occasion, but always legally with permission from the U.S. Forest Service or the National Park Service for research or rescue flights. Now back to the misconception of that helicopter's got to know where it's at. The helicopter in question is, again, 40 years old, and without looking inside myself, the answer's just who knows what it has in it. Although Forrest did say that Bell issues advisory directives, ADs, that sometimes require mandatory compliance on updates to the aircraft, just like uh, a factory recall on your truck. These do not involve navigation equipment. The craft's annual inspection does not necessitate a GPS, and according to Forrest Gu, flying started with Forest Service maps, then the Loran system, which if you've ever seen a World War II movie, uh, the Loran system is probably that thing with the green screen and the blips and the sweeping arms and things. It's a radio tube mess. And then eventually GPS. So there's no telling what's in that craft because it doesn't have to have anything. He went on to say that he has personally seen students who literally got lost on takeoff. And it doesn't matter how good the electronics are if you don't know how to read them or make them work. But what about handheld devices? Everyone has a phone these days. OnX Maps is a darned handy tool. Oddly enough, Sam Schwerin is a managing partner of Millennium, which, according to their website, is a company that partners with technology companies to design investment structures that foster long-term growth from growth capital. But the point is, one of Millennium's tech partners, listed in February of 2018, is quite ironically on X Maps. So what does that tell you? Honestly, nothing. Millennium listed 22 other investments in 2018, and as we all know, just because you own some maps, or a GPS, or a toothbrush for that matter, doesn't necessarily mean you use it. Just like a camera or bear spray doesn't do you as much good in your pack as it does in your hand. But, again, none of this matters. Not if you believe in this uh, notion of justice, equal justice for all, right? We don't have two sets of rules, one for folks with helicopters or with wealth, and then another set of rules for folks without. The penalty of not to exceed 500 and not to exceed six months imprisonment is the same for everyone. No one I could talk to knows of anyone getting imprisoned for this violation. But it does seem that Sam Schwerin was given the maximum allowable fine. Meaning that it could have been less. Or possibly meaning that Forest Service law enforcement thought that the landing was intentional so they recommended the max penalty. The U.S. Attorney's Office followed through with it. Case closed. Lauren Alley, the public affairs officer for the Flathead National Forest, provided this statement. 
Each United States judicial district establishes its own collateral amounts for each of the prohibited acts outlined in the Code of Federal Regulations. Those are the CFRs I've been talking about. The federal judges in the District of Montana have set the collateral amount for this violation at $500. While this incident has certainly generated a lot of attention, our law enforcement officers have the responsibility to investigate thoroughly and treat everyone fairly, regardless of public interest. We thoroughly investigate wilderness incursions by motor vehicles and encourage everyone to be good witnesses to crimes they encounter when safe to do so, and pass that information on without delay. Thank you, Lauren Alley. I love the bomb. I really do. And I suspect that many other people love it, which is why there have been so many darned keyboard warriors on social media trying to tear down someone who violated the most basic rule of wilderness with a capital W. No mechanized travel. But here is the deal. Uh, This is not our job. Don't go beating up the violators when what bothers you is the fine. These CFRs, which were last amended in 1977, possibly 1985, put both the public and the Forest Service in a tough spot. In 1977, $500 is the equivalent to about $2,100 right now. So in order to keep up with inflation, shouldn't CFR 261.18 be adjusted to read a maximum fine not to exceed 2100 Or what if it read as the uh, change.org author kind of suggested? One million. There's frustrations on all sides. The Forest Service has neither the personnel to find, cite, and prosecute every violator, nor does it have penalties that reflect the reverence people have for these areas. When a case gets made... What is the cost that goes into making a $500 fine stick? How many man hours? How many personnel hours are involved? And when the fine is so low, does a case that makes the news like this one kind of sound like an invitation to those bad actors that we really need to fear? The ones with tons of money and no care for public opinion? John and Randy, our horsemen, like to be the first ones through the bob in the spring. It's hard. There are avalanche paths that cover trails, lots of downed trees. They have to cut their way through the bob with handsaws all the while taking time off of work to do it. But every year they do because it's fun and challenging to live this way. $500 does not cover the impact of a negative interaction in the woods. John Morris said, at the end of the day, Ryan, it just ruined my trip. I felt violated. There's no accountability. Rich McAtee, a broad-shouldered, jovial, ginger-bearded outfitter, is owner and operator of Wilderness Lodge and Outfitting. Rich makes his living guiding hunting and fishing trips in and along the South Fork. He also provides a packing service where he takes folks 30 miles upstream and drops people and boats and beer and gear so they can float the length of the South Fork, which is a world-class experience. Rich operates under a conditional use permit in order to provide these services. When I asked him just why this was his job, he says he has a passion for traveling with horses and mules, and his reward for keeping them fed and healthy all year is being able to provide this experience to his customers, many of which, upon arrival, are shocked to find out 
that you cannot use chainsaws or wheelbarrows in a wilderness area. Showing people that they have the ability to travel and live in a primitive way often makes the fishing or the elk icing on the cake. Rich goes on to say that even with a $500 fine, hiring a helicopter would be less expensive to fly in a week's worth of float fishing or hunting gear than paying a packer to load that same material on a string of mules. If people started coming in here with helicopters, it would ruin my business. Being as uh, very few people in the U.S. Forest Service are able to speak on the record when they are currently employed, I had to dig down and dig up an old one. James Chardelli, a retired U.S. Forest Service trail manager, who uh, pointed out that the inability to truly enforce travel management plans, either through lack of enforcement or weak penalties, does nothing to help the relationship between the Forest Service and the public they serve. If you work your ass off to get the public involved in a travel management plan, then they see a lack of enforcement. You lose trust and you lose respect for the regulations. What's $500 compared to packing an elk on your back for nine miles? His suggestion, what he would like to see, is the confiscation of mechanized equipment. Kurt Steele, the Flathead National Forest Supervisor, was quoted in the official Department of Justice press release issued June 16th. We take concerns about the proper use of our national forests and wilderness areas very seriously. Many members of the public took the time to share their thoughts on this incident and their appreciation for the Bob Marshall Wilderness Complex. It is a world-renowned jewel that plays an important role in the landscape-level ecosystem and our tourism economy. We appreciate the public reporting these types of incidents so our Forest Service law enforcement professionals and partners at the Department of Justice can investigate and appropriately prosecute them. Montana is a state where you have to know where you are. There is no excuse for not. No matter if you're on foot, horse, or helicopter, and people do still make mistakes, that is for certain. The question of whether or not this Bozeman couple made a mistake with intent or not is really a lame one. It's not the point. What we should focus on is if we hold our wilderness and forests in such high regard, as Kurt Steele said of the Bob, a renowned jewel. Shouldn't we at least update our regulations and the penalties for breaking them to reflect that? I'm not saying more regulations, to be clear, but updated regulations. Right now we have a fine so low that it is likely a law enforcement officer with a pile of cases on their desk has bigger fish to fry. A willful lawbreaker is not intimidated by the fine, and the law-abiding public loses faith when they see the laws being broken. I know this has been a long one. Thanks for sticking with me. I'll have the full version up on TheMeatEater.com. We'll get back to our regularly scheduled programming next week. Thanks again. Let me know what I'm missing by writing in to A-S-K-C-A-L at TheMeatEater.com. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, 
You can become a snack subscriber, get some Axis Deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I, venison.com, and use promo code CAL for 20% off your first order. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. That's seafoamworks.com to learn more.